Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us on Life Point. I'm your host, Tom Doherty, and in the studio with me again, which I will have uh, with me for a while, is Pastor Max Buchanan of uh, Cloverdale Church of God. He is the associate pastor there, and his, his specialty is teaching, and God's gifted him in that. And Max, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me again. It's a blast. Yeah, I'm glad having you, you lead through the study of John, which you've recently done. So we're uh, it's nice to have somebody that's gone through that and spent some good time in that. And so I, I have him kind of leading, and I follow along, and that's the way it's going to be for a little bit because we want you to uh, be blessed by the great book of John. So let's have prayer, then we'll get going. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for Pastor Max and his willingness to be on the air with us. Thank you for these great listeners. But God, may the Word of God speak to our hearts, open our minds to your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Max, I think we uh, concluded last week in chapter two, right? Yes. So I'll let you kind of head us out and we'll... Yeah, most definitely. So chapter two uh, really kind of has two parts to it. The first one is the water into wine. Jesus' first public miracle that he does is turning water into wine at a wedding. We were talking about how uh, that would have actually been a huge embarrassment. It was, uh, you know, way different in their culture. Weddings were, they were kind of, uh, you know, a huge celebration. It was proving that you could take care of your bride. So the run out of wine wasn't just like, you know, your normal party foul. It was horrendously embarrassing. And so Jesus's mom goes to Jesus. You see the relationship change because he calls her woman rather than mom. Um, and we we're saying that wasn't disrespectful in the Greek. So, you know, it, Jesus wasn't doing anything weird there. And then he ends up uh, turning this water into wine. What's interesting about that miracle that we didn't touch on last week is it actually correlates back to the Old Testament. And uh, it is correlates back to the first plague. Which is interesting because we remember saying that the water was used for purification. So that's what they, that was kind of able to do. But in that ancient culture, you would never drink the water. That's why they would make it into wine is they'd ferment it and it would be safe to drink. And so it's kind of what we call a holy reversal, I guess, in theological terms is – the first plague in Egypt was turning the Nile River into blood. You remember that story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you're taking the water that was their life source that they were able to, you know, drink and wash and purify with and turning it into something that was unpure. Then Jesus takes this water that, you know, ceremonially was used for purifications, but you never drink. It would never be considered a water source that you could drink off of and turns it into wine, which we know later into the New Testament becomes the symbol for Jesus's blood, right? Spilled for us. And so he takes that wine and that makes it into something pure and able to drink. And so it's an undoing of that first plague. It's showing that Jesus has come and, you know, what was going on in the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of that and he's going to lead us through. So just thought I would touch on that as we get kind of into chapter three. And then we have the cleansing of the temple. We saw that Jesus was there. Uh, it says Passover was at hand. And so he's in Jerusalem and he is in the temple courts and they money exchangers are there and they are ripping people off. It was the poor that were affected by that. And we know that because of the location that they were at. And so people weren't able to come in and praise the God of Israel during that time. Jesus obviously gets wildly offended and he drives the money changers out so that's what happens in chapter two isn't that something in, in our lives shouldn't we be more wildly offended to things that are going on that are 
sinfulness world. Oh, absolutely. And I think that uh, as a as a Christian culture, we've kind of haven't erred that much on that side of that because we don't want to – like we look at the church and the church is so – it feels like it's downstream from culture in a way. And we just conform to whatever they want. It's time to stand up for the things of God because the world's getting nuttier, but our God's staying the same. So yeah, let's go with the thing that stays the same. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. holiness used to be a big thing in my day and growing up. And, you know, we talked about being holy and living holy lives. And, and now it's just, you know, live what you want as long as you believe type of thing. I mean, it's just a get-by society. Yeah. And it's just we have lowered the standards, and it's time to stand up for the standards that God laid out in the Word of God. 100%. And, uh, of course, you're going to talk about some of that as uh, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Absolutely. And so, yeah, chapter 3, let's go ahead and get into that. You mind reading that? How far would you want me to read there? Uh, Let's go. Let's do the first section. We will go 1 to 14. 1 to 14. Okay, Mm -hmm. folks, chapter 3 of John. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things? Very, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you on earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, To the Son of Man must he be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Right on. And so chapter 3, as we jump in here, there's a lot to it. We have this character Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, it says, is a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. And so um, it's believed that he was a rather high-up official. Ruler of the Jews usually meant that you were part of the Sanhedrin. And so that would have been really the Supreme Court of the day. Um, and so the Jewish people would bring, you know, their cases before him. So here's somebody who's super high up. And if you notice, he comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus ends up, we, we get three glimpses of him in the scripture. And I actually have a professor that believes that he spent more time with Jesus than is what is recorded here. And that's, that could be totally plausible, um, you know, because even John says, like, these are a collection of things that, you know, he, he said we could write on forever um, about what Jesus did. But that here's a collection of things that we may believe, right? And so as we look at this, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and they start to have this conversation. You kind of see Nicodemus's, uh, like, struggle with faith all the way until Jesus's death. So what's interesting about this is we have this glimpse of him. Then later on in the chapter, he has this weird moment where he somewhat defends Jesus. And then after Jesus' death, 
after Jesus's death, he goes and he identifies with the body. And so it's, it's this showing that Nicodemus is coming to faith is what most uh, theologians believe. It shows this process of him wrestling through these things. But when he shows up with Jesus, he, he starts to have this conversation with him and we get uh, this really popular idea of being born again. I think a lot of Christians don't even know that that's where this term comes from, but it does. It comes out of this conversation with Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. And that's where they get into this conversation. And Nicodemus has no clue what he's talking about. He's like, what do I do? <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you correlate uh, the being born again to being saved? I mean, the terminology, being born yeah. again, being saved. Yeah, I think that it it just uh, it really kind of defines it here as Jesus talks about it because he says you have to be born of the flesh and then born of the spirit. So what else would be born of the spirit? We know that when we have salvation, right, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and so that's being born again. So it's talking about salvation here, and Jesus makes that abundantly clear. What's interesting and one thing that people really get off on a lot that, you know, they kind of have a lot of questions about is that it says, oh, you need to be born of, you know, water and the spirit. And it talks about that in here. Um, And it's kind of a weird thing. And people are always like, okay, is that meaning baptism? And so, you know, we've seen that people go, okay, uh, you know, it's talking about baptism. And so now we need to baptize infants and stuff like that. We can't back that up with the rest of scripture. Um, you know, that's not a tradition that we see in scripture. We see believers being baptized. Right. And so they would obviously be saved before that. And so kind of the reconciliation on this, you have to look at scripture as a whole. Anytime we're reading it from a theological perspective, we don't want to take one verse and make an entire doctrine out of it. Right. Which is done often, often, very often. And, uh, and so it's very important for us to, to read through it and see how consistent it is with Scripture. We don't see that infants are baptized anywhere. It's really popular now, actually. There's a lot of, like, you know, Christians that are into that, and even uh, pedo-communion's a big thing where you take the elements and blend them in a blender and, and, you know, pour them down your kid's mouth. I have a newborn. I'm not doing that, so don't worry. Don't, you know, call Child Protective Services on me or anything like that because uh, I don't believe that way. We, you know, we do dedications at the yes. church because we do firmly believe that, that we need to say we're going to raise our kids mm-hmm. to know the things of God and be a part of this this church. Right. And that's what we're going to – we did that with Conrad. We're going to hopefully, uh, you know, uh, do that with our daughter soon, which I got to talk to you about because I think I have a date for that. And then, you know, it's something that we, we really do um, and is exciting. Hiding, right? But baptism, we believe, happens in the life of the believer. Well, Jesus was dedicated at uh, eight days old. Yeah, exactly. You know? Jesus was dedicated, and he was also baptized when his ministry when started. His ministry, when yeah, he was older. Right? Yeah. Do you have any uh, funny baptism stories? <laughs> you got. You have to have had at least a couple oh, of them. I, you know, no, not a couple. Not funny. One in Vancouver, where I came from, we had somebody come in. They were different. They were uh, not part of the church, but they wanted to be baptized, so they baptized them. And supposedly they slipped and sued the church for a hundred thousand. Whoa! Yeah. So yeah, not fun. That was not. Yeah. Yeah. It was not fun. And then my dad baptized a guy. Lucky there was only a couple people there, and and he baptized the guy, and the guy's pants fell off. (laughs) So you know, but but one of the cool experiences you and I experienced was a couple years ago at family camp where we had a baptisms, and all of a sudden we've had from having two or three, we end up having about eight dozen. Mm-hmm. And it was just a real movement of the Spirit of God. Yeah. But uh, I know I, there, there's probably a lot. Oh, one of them, oh, I'm about out of time here. <laughs> one, one of them, lady who was about 74 years old in the baptistry, heat was not on, and it was about 60 or 70 degrees in there. It was freezing. I thought she was going to die, but it went okay. 
Well, Max, we got to go. All right. All right, folks. Talk to you tomorrow. Life Point is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or would like more information about the church, please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.